It's time for a conversation with NFL Network's Charles Davis. Brought to you by Premier Golf Centers. Now with Charles Davis, here's Jason Puckett and the Gas Man. Welcome back. Hour number two. The Gas Man is uh, is off here for the next three days. Slickhawk is uh, is sitting in uh, today. Hour number two of the radio program. We have him on every single Wednesday at this time to break. We were leading up to the draft. Now we're going to break down the draft from this past weekend. Charles Davis joins us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, brought to you by Premier Golf with their 12 great locations across the Puget Sound area. And, of course, uh, Charles, he visits us. We will talk about 80s movies at the end. Charles, this is going to be one of my all-time favorite movie scenes that we'll have at the end of our of our uh, conversation today. But let me I'm going to throw you a curveball right off the bat, okay? Okay, okay. You, I'm going to ask you something, a personal question here. Are you married? All right. Are you married? I am. Okay. This is perfect. You're going to love this question. I am married, too. I am okay. going on uh, – we're going on 10 years here. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Well, it's – we've barely made it. We sleep in separate bedrooms, but that's for another show, Charles. Uh, what – that, does, that doesn't make it bad. <laughs> sleep in separate bedrooms just, just so they can get some sleep. There you go. But, uh, you know. All right. So we – we... <laughs> The key is do you visit each other's bedrooms? Yeah. All right, there you go. Move on. All right, what chores around the house do you despise the most, Charles? Dishes, cleaning the bathroom, yard work, or laundry? We asked our listeners to vote on that uh, this morning. Cleaning, cleaning the bathroom, and, then, and nothing else even comes close to it. And that, Charles, is our runaway leader right now at 40% of the vote. 23% say yard work, 19% say laundry, 18% uh, say dishes. So you agree with our yeah, listeners, I'm, cleaning I'm, the bathroom. I'm good with laundry and dishes. Like, in fact, you know, to try and act like I'm a full participant around the house, I will often do laundry without being asked. I will often do the dishes and put them in the dishwasher. And I actually scrape the dishes and scrub them a little before I put them in. And isn't that standard? Should that not be standard protocol to wipe the food off? Have to. It should it should be. It should be. Yeah, your wife's not like my ev- wife. Not, she doesn't do not that. Every, oh. Not everyone adheres. Uh-huh. And then they wonder why they're running the same dish multiple <laughs> times. It's so funny. We all have the same problem. Mm-hmm. It's why is right? that? I don't know why that is. Oh, I good. mean, I guess they hear. I guess people hear dishwasher oh. and think, well, okay, it's off. I'm off the hook. Right. Not if not if you've caked on. 18 pounds of food that you can't get off with a jackhammer and you think that the dishwasher is going to do all the work. It's so but that's, true. Again, that's another another time, another uh, place. And, mm. you know, I'm not really pointing a finger, but I'll get I'll do anything to get out of cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. And I actually used to love to do the uh, I used to love to uh, mow the lawn. Yeah. yeah. But I never understood the edging thing. Mm. Like you got to edge. I love to edge. So I would oh. I would mow the lawn and leave it. Yeah, you got to edge. So it, it looked it looked a lot like you know bad haircuts by the time it was all said. Yeah, if, if you're not if you're not edging, you're not doing it right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was told. You got it. Okay, edge. so I learned. All right, Charles, a breakdown. Just give me your your overall thoughts of of what the Seahawks did in the draft this past weekend. The Seahawks did what the Seahawks do, and I think what what surprises me every year is us. And I'm going to lump us together, okay. us national people, right? You know, I guess we could be considered national whether we're talking heads or writers or, or analysts, whatever you want to say, right, in all the categories, every year it feels like everyone has an arched eyebrow a la The Rock at Seattle's <laughs> draft picks, right? And more times than not, 
they prove out to be pretty darn good or okay, better than what you might have expected. Remember when Earl Thomas got selected and Pete Carroll did not take Taylor Mays, his safety from USC? I'd say that worked pretty well. <laughs> Bruce Irvin was a very controversial. What, what, what? They take it who? At that spot, I think he was at 15, mm-hmm. and people flipped out. An undersized linebacker, he'll be a specialist only. Well, Bruce played pretty well for Seattle, and then he made his money in Oakland. I could go on. Now, look, no one bats a 1,000. But Seattle drafts to, 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 to placate Seattle and their organization, not to placate us. So they don't give a flip what grade we put on it. They go for specific reasons, and they have traits in mind that they want and they see that player doing X, Y, and Z for their ball club. Now, the Rashad Penny one, everyone flipped out, right? But if I remember correctly, Seattle did not have a pick after the Rashad Penny pick until the third round. Mm-hmm. So if they wanted to get a running back that, that fit their traits, what they were looking for, they had to go ahead and do it. And we say this about quarterbacks all the time. If you like him, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. You better go get him because you might not get enough – well, I think that's how Seattle viewed this one. And Rashad Penny's dimensions remind you of Marshawn Lynch. He doesn't run exactly like Marshawn in my estimation, but he does have some thump to him, does have some force, and he definitely can break away and, and run away from people. And don't forget, right away, kick return ability. Guy, guy had seven of them at San Diego State. So I'm not as, as critical of the selection as I think the knee-jerk was that night. Because you know what it was like that night. Everybody, whoa! Mm-hmm. And the other part of it was, if you're going to get a running back, who else was still left on the board that would have fit the, fit the model for them? A number of running backs. So that's why I think that got so much vitriol. But Rasheem Green, defensive end from USC, I think he's going to play inside more. And that's a screaming need for Seattle, to have more of those guys up front because you know who is no longer there. Cliff Averill's not likely to play anymore. Right, Sheldon Richardson left in free agency, so Jaron Reed's got to have some more people around him and running mates. The Will Disley selection at tight end—that's one that all of a sudden, you know what I was doing? I was racking my brain because Will Disley is a tremendous blocker, and everyone talks about the offensive line. And Seattle has been one of those places that they do not mind taking guys who played another position and flipping them. I see you, Jr. Sweezy, for one. George Fant, the former basketball player who they expect to come back this year and contribute heavily. Disley at tight end can play tight end, but with his blocking ability, if you ever hear them say they're going to make him an offensive tackle, don't be shocked. Hmm. I'm just I'm just calling my shot early. I may be way off base, but I think back in the NFL, remember Paul Seymour played with the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. I don't flipped I don't him, recall turned him to turn turned into an offensive tackle. Earl Cooper caught a tight caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl for the 49ers. They turned him into an offensive tackle later and had a pretty nice career. It can happen. That's what I think when I see Disley. I think he's a decent receiver. And, of course, when you get down into, it, obviously, the pick of the night, the pick of the weekend with Shaquem uh, Griffin, for so many different reasons. But let's not lose sight of the fact that he can play football. And he can. I've seen him up close and personal. I'm a big believer in him. I think they'll take Trey Flowers and move him to corner right away because he fits that long corner that you're looking for. So going through all of it, it was a normal draft for the Seattle Seahawks as far as I'm concerned they know what they're looking for we are always a step or two behind in the media thinking about this whole thing let's see how it plays out for them again
Charles, we spoke earlier this week with a writer who graded the Seahawks draft as an F. And when we spoke to him, he said he didn't do it because of who they picked as much as it was what their general philosophy Mm. is. And them going back to hardcore pounding the run. Obviously, you get Penny, you get Disley, who's going to block for him, and gearing the personnel and what they did in the draft toward that instead of loading up Russell Wilson with weapons and being able to improve the passing game that way. Does he have a point that maybe they're going about this whole thing the wrong way? I've, this is where I've flipped it around, and, and this would be a very healthy debate with, with this writer. For me, their philosophy, their DNA is in what they're trying to do. Load up on the run, pound people, and when they were doing that, was that not the time they went to two Super Bowls? I mean, to, me, that helps, no. to me, that helps Russell Wilson because – the Russell Wilson that's had to run around like crazy, and you know every bit of offense that, that you know has flown through has, has flowed through him. You got a playoff year out of it, and then this year you didn't get the playoffs. I know people are screaming about the offensive line, and Jamarco Jones went later on for Ohio State, and he can help fortify it. But I do believe that if you look at it, and I think nationally we don't look at it closely enough. You guys work with me here real quick. What round was Justin Britt drafted in? Second? Nah. First or second? He was first. No, Britt? Justin second. Britt? He was second. Britt. Yeah, yeah. Second. I don't think second round. Okay. Second yeah. round. Okay. Ethan Posick. Second round, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, your left tackle, Dwayne Brown, was a first round pick. Right. German yeah. Effetti was a first round pick. Yep. Yeah. The only reason I say it that way is they're counting on this offensive line to fulfill his potential with a new coach coaching it. So that tells me that internally they look at these guys and think if we have a different voice, the right guy, blah, 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 and play to the strength of what these guys are, they have a chance to be better. The last couple of years they haven't had that running game, and Russell has been the running game, whether it's been designed runs and even more often take off and run for your life runs. They think that they can get back and do that more. And make plays that way. I get where the I get where the writer's going. I have no major quarrel over that. But I also remember when they were at their peak and they were doing it that way and beating the heck out of you in the running game. It opens it up and makes the throws easier for Wilson. And I would dare say help prolong things rather than have him doing what he's doing now, which is trying to run for his life and make a play at the same time. Yeah, because it. I, I think where the, where the rub is, I think for for a lot of people. And I and I get it, but it's it's I think more, at least in my opinion, Charles and Slick. I don't know if you agree with this. I think the commentary is I think where Slick, where you were going with it is, you're gonna eventually he's gonna. He, I mean, Russell Wilson's making almost thirty million dollars. He will yeah. when they re, when they redo his deal, he will be a thirty million dollar quarterback. I think people associate that amount of money with. Okay, now the offense has got to be all on him, so yeah. he's got to throw it. 35 plus times a game to justify paying him 30 million dollars. I and I see I understand that but I would just counter I get with that. but I would counter with he I think he can win you some games doing that and cuz I've seen it. I've seen it before where the you game have is seen it. Yeah, where the game is where you've needed to Atlanta Falcons playoff game his rookie year. They mm-hmm. needed him to throw the yeah. ball more and he did. They he brought him all the way back. But I think consistently over 16 games He's always going to be a quarterback, I think, in my opinion, you know, throws it 25 to 29 times a game. That's when he's most effective because if he has a good running game, 
his he can then take deeper shots downfield and be more efficient throwing the ball with a higher completion percentage and hitting bigger chunk plays. And I think that's the aim of what they want to see out of Russell. And and I and I tend to go in that direction. Let's just take it very quickly, and we can always move on from here. Just go to to last season, and with the style of play that they had to have because they had so many issues and, and go on and so on. Russell saved. Say, I, would you agree that Russell, in a big way, saved the Houston Texans game? That was a major shootout. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, did that one. Mm -hmm. But when they went to Nashville and got into that shootout and he had to bring them back, he did the best he could, and it fell on him. Didn't quite get that one done. The Washington game at home, when they came in, and Kirk Cousins ends up making the big throw late in the ball game, and, of course, you had to miss field goals in that one. Mm -hmm. I think it's a scatter – scatter shout's the wrong word, but it's a little bit more hit or miss when you're relying on him to do those things consistently – and be that guy without giving him some relief, some help. I think any quarterback's better when you actually run the ball. Tom Brady's better when the New England Patriots had the Garrett Blunt pounding away and he could flip it out to James White, and a lot of their stuff was controlled passing, et cetera. It's a lot better when you're able to do that. So I, I get where you're going. $30 million, you expect him to be 6'5", 235, and throw it 35 to 40 times a game. I don't know that that's going to be successful for Seattle and their philosophy. And – they're rebuilding the defense. Right. And if you're rebuilding that defense, you have to protect that defense a little bit. And I don't think throwing it every down helps protect the defense that you're rebuilding. Charles Davis uh, joining us for his weekly visit uh, brought to you by uh, Premier Golf with their 12 great locations around the Puget Sound area. Charles, what do you think is the state of this defense, especially the secondary now? Because in the draft, the Seahawks, they, they get Trey Flowers, but he's not expected to come in and start right away. Right. They do re-sign Byron Maxwell. You have to presume he's going to start opposite Shaquille Griffin. Earl Thomas, for now at least, is still a Seahawk. And, you know, if Cam Chancellor doesn't come back, it's Bradley McDougald back there. Is that a defense? Uh, I mean, look, you're, we're just looking at trying to get back into the playoffs, I yeah. guess, and then see what happens. Can they do that? It's a it's a decent group by, by you know, and, and I have to say decent because I'm measuring against the full Legion of Boom, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and when they, no matter who you measure against the full Legion of Boom, that group's going to come come up a little bit wanting, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so, they, they ain't that. <laughs> but so but you so here's where you're here's where the rub is for me. You're counting on Byron Maxwell to raise his game again, and Byron really has been up and down along the way. Ask Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Ask you know you ask those. He's probably had his best success in Seattle for whatever reason that fits him. You're hoping he's still playing to that level. Earl Thomas, the way we've been talking about it, it's hard to imagine that he's actually still going to be there. It almost feels like, okay, at what point will he be gone? But let's say he's still there. That's one of the great building pieces you've ever you're ever going to have. Yeah. All right, that part is cool. I think Shaquille Griffin is a star in the making. I thought what he did last year with his maturity, I love all of that. But in this draft, as I said, it was a Seattle Seahawks draft. I was a little bit surprised to not see any real corners taken. Trey Flowers is going to be a conversion. He was a safety. So who is it that they're liking what they have? Do they really like the guys that they have to come in and play and help you and fortify you? Because at one point, Nico Thorpe looked like he might have to be a starter right now, and he's been a special teams guy. That's the one spot that I thought, hmm, I thought they might add one or two of those guys Mm -hmm. to give them a few more options there. 
And there's still time, obviously. You know, you still have the offseason. There may be some veteran pickups along the way. But, look, when you go from the Legion of Boom to these guys, they have to build an identity. They have to build a chemistry. That takes a little bit of time. Uh, we had him on yesterday, uh, Charles, and he reminded us that that punters are people too. What did you Rich. think when when you when Rich. you? Rich, yeah. I know you had Rich on. No, then, right? well, no, we had Michael Dixon on the actual punter. Oh, we yeah, had, Michael yeah, Dixon. Yeah, the actual oh, guy, and he reminded us. He goes, "Hey, I'm a punters are people." Yeah, that, that's, that's that's Rich's line. Yeah, he, well, okay. he said it too. He's like, I, "I'm a person. I I'm, I actually play. I put on a uniform." What was your reaction when that when that came down? They trade when they, they announced the trade, and then in yep. the fifth round they they take a punter. Well, I, I got ripped a little bit, and probably rightly so, because I was kind of doing a little tongue-in-cheek, because remember, he was the MVP of their Texas Bowl game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what the heck? If he's the MVP, did they do? Did no one get anything done in this game? <laughs> because cause if the punter's the MVP, what is going on with the offense? Yeah. Well, as it turned out, I think he had like 10 punts inside the 15, yeah. over 400 yards of punting, and all of that's wonderful. Now run that back in your run that back again. Over ten punts, that means your offense didn't do anything. Okay, so more power to Michael Dixon. I think that's wonderful, great, fantastic. We're still playing the game with field position. I have no problem at all with that one. But I'm also not the guy that just goes absolutely over the moon when someone drafts a punter. Right. More power to him. Okay. You're going to get punters out there. You're going to find the good ones and the better ones. We're going to celebrate like the Ray guys of the world the Reggie Robies of the world, guys of that nature. Marquette King got cut by Oakland because I'm sure John Gruden's like, I'm not dealing with his antics, but right. he's actually a pretty good player. Sure, That part's good, okay? More power to him. But, again, I come back to it. If, that, if, if you're the MVP of the Texas Bowl, I need to go back and watch the game and see what happened on offense if you punted it, you know, 10 times that you got him inside the 15, which is very skillful punting. But that's a lot of punning. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing for you before we uh, we close out with our traditional '80s movie clip: which uh, quarterback uh, landed in the best position, in your opinion? Oh boy, I won't bore you with all the different reasons why. I'm going to say Josh Rosen did in Arizona, and here's why for me: he's got a brand new head coach named Steve Wilkes, and you guys remember Carolina under Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator? Yeah, sure. They, they just blitz someone right now, and it's the offseason. <laughs> okay? That's Steve Wilkes. And I bet you he's going to be similar to Dan Quinn because a lot of defensive coaches want their offenses to be conservative and vanilla and not screw up their defense and put them in bad spots. Dan Quinn wants his offense to be as aggressive as he's going to be on defense. I'm betting Steve Wilkes has a similar philosophy. So what did they do? They gave him Christian Kirk in the second round out of Texas A&M, gave him another receiver and another target. You know Larry Fitzgerald's still there, right? You know Jaron Brown's still there. John Brown, you know, they can fly on, on the outside on offense. And he gets David Johnson back. That's a great starting point for a rookie quarterback, isn't it? You can lean on David Johnson to not just run the thing, but you throw it to him out of the backfield, and he establishes a lot of plays for you that your quarterback doesn't have to make in a big, big way. And he also opens it up to where when it's time to throw it downfield, that gives him an opportunity. So I like where Rosen landed, especially if he lives up to the, you know, interview, the interview Josh Rosen where he's upset at the world, mad about the nine guys who went in front of him, you know, and acted like everything just went right down the tubes for him. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with his anger. I have no problem with him being upset he wasn't the first quarterback taken. I like the fact that he wants to compete. Now he has to actually go up and live up to it. I think he's in a good spot to do that. I think this is a good place for him. 
All right, we're going to leave you with this. Uh, 1988, this movie was released. It is still, I think, uh, debated to this day. What do you call the best boxer of all time? Pound for pound, Triple A Robinson, the greatest fighter ever lived. Oh, come on, man. What about Joe Lewis? The Blonde Bomber. Now, that was a great boxer. You damn right. <laughs> I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. <laughs> we got a point. Cassius Clay was a bad one. Yeah, I ain't saying Clay ain't bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cassius Clay. What's changing name to Muhammad Ali? What kind of that? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. That's right. I say Clay. There it is, coming to America, oh. the great barbershop scene. Joe oh. Lewis was 137 uh, years old. I wanted to continue. Rocky Marciano beat him, right? <laughs> he was, yeah. Frank Sinatra. Frank told me he was 137 years old when he found. You ever Frank met Sinatra no Frank came, up, came to shop. I said, Frank, Frank, you know Joe Lewis. How was Joe Lewis before Joe Rocky Marciano? Joe Lewis was 137 years old. Oh, see? See? Oh, God, so, I love so that bleep movie. you, bleep you, bleep you. Who's next? Oh, God, that movie. It gets you, me every time. I'm going to leave you with this, guys. You know why I really love those those barbershop scenes? Yeah. My 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 uh, maternal grandfather, Shannon Richmond Sr., Elizabeth in Tennessee, owned a barbershop. And when I was a small child, I would go there. My dad actually cut hair as well. And that helped him, you know, make extra money when he was a young uh, school teacher just getting started. That's how he met my mother. All right. Took a job there, Mr. Richards, at Daddy Richmond's uh, barbershop, was cutting hair. I would sit there, you know, and after I came along, he'd have me in there and the whole deal. And he would always give me a strawberry soda, better known as Red Pop, <laughs> down south, and tell me just to just, just sit here, son, just sit here. And if I got too rambunctious, my grandfather, Daddy Shannon, had one leg. He had lost it, and the story was he lost it in a coal mining accident. I have a feeling there was something else in play, but we will go into that another day. <laughs> but he would stand on crutches on the one leg with the stump and cut people's hair, and in the barbershop, it was just like the scene. You heard politics. Yeah. You heard sports. You heard women, and nothing else was discussed in the barbershop. But if I got rambunctious, he would take one of his crutches, and plunk me with it and tell me to sit my little you-know-what down <laughs> and quit messing up. So every time I see that barbershop scene, yeah. I have a fond memory of my gra of my grandfather, uh, Daddy Shannon. May he rest in peace with those crutches and that anger. Yeah, I love it. Uh, great work this past weekend. Watched uh, uh, all of your guys' coverage on the NFL Network. Uh, we appreciate it. We will chat with you next week. Thanks, Charles. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. And maybe next time we'll talk about the difference between McDonald's and McDowell. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. Perfect. We'll go. have to get that. There he is, Charles Davis from Fox Sports and also uh, the NFL Network uh, coverage there on uh, the NFL Network on the NFL Draft. It's brought to you by Premier Golf and their 12 great locations across the area. The Mariners have sent out a press release. Uh-oh. They have sent out a press release. Woo. We'll have that for you next.